Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. We are a podcast for SLPs with big hearts who are looking for ways to improve the lives of ourselves and the humans we work with. We are the how-to and habit change podcast. And if you're a like-minded SLP, welcome. Let's learn together. This podcast will help you maintain your cool and calm in a helping profession full of ups and downs and moments of chaos. Over here at SLP Happy Hour, we are all about more calm and less chaos. This episode, we talk about how to have a calmer weekend, or at least what we are doing to try and have a calmer weekend. I'm Sari Wu. And I'm Sarah Lockhart. And we're sharing this information today because it's what we need to hear as busy SLPs who definitely don't have it all together. Yeah, well, we've got it like 10% together. I'll give us that. Thank you. Thank you. So this episode will cover how to have a calmer weekend, but we'll also talk about attracting and repelling clients, why you can't be the perfect SLP for all your clients, and how to deal with those situations. We also share the answer to this listener question. Is it a good idea to identify with your work and are work and worth related? And should they be? It's an awesome question and Mm -hmm. I can't wait to discuss it. We'll also discuss an easy lesson, actually a resource for a bunch of easy lessons for your older learners on the autism spectrum. First up, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank all of our sponsors for today's show. They make this show free for our listeners and help us pay the podcasting bills. That's right, and SLP Now is one of our sponsors. SLP Now provides you with tons of materials for your pediatric caseload at the click of a button with monthly memberships. And you can find SLP Now at slpnow.com happy. This episode is also sponsored by us. One of our values for this season is community, and that means building relationships in real life with other SLPs, friends, and family. I've created a workbook for you if you want to focus on building your relationships and friendships this year too, just go to slphappyhour.com slash community freebie and we'll link it up in our newsletter all winter long. And if you visit our website, slphappyhour.com, you'll see an option to sign up for the newsletter and that will get you the workbook as well. Uh, those are our topics for today, so let's get to it. To start us off, one of our favorite and most popular segments, The Lazy Lesson. Sarah and I are all about sharing lessons that take no to minimal prep work, are easy to implement, and are targeted on our students' objectives. Sarah is going to share a lazy lesson today that you can use with your social skills groups. And today I'm going to talk about the PEERS, P-E-E-R-S program um, from UCLA, and it's all about social skills for middle or the high school level. And it provides lessons for asking questions, finding shared interests, and even things like how to use technology socially, like cell phones and computers. The lessons are done for you week by week. It's a 16-week program, which includes a script you can use. Even better, there's some research behind it that you can get into if you feel like getting nerdy with it. But for now, I'll just share that it is an affordable, research-backed intervention that is pretty much done for you. Plus, they have video modules to help you out online. Based on if you work in the schools or doing a parent and teen training, there are several different workbooks, but they cost anywhere from $30 to $40, which is affordable considering what you get. 
For example, one of the first lessons is on trading information socially, how to do it. You teach the lesson, then there's videos online for extra practice. You can role play. Plus, the program includes homework ideas. Sarah, your lazy lesson is evidence-based, it's easy to implement, it's affordable, and I like that it has that parent training aspect too. I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of this program until you told me about it, and I am going to look it up myself for my middle school students, so thank you for sharing this one. Yeah. So coming up, we've got five realistic tips for having a calmer weekend, plus our own confession of struggling with the Sunday night blues. But first up, an ad break. As a quick reminder, our ads help pay for our podcast expenses for season two. And this year we're donating a portion of our advertising proceeds to our favorite charity, Charity Water, which brings clean drinking water to those in need. So thank you for listening in and for helping us to make that happen. Everyday Speech is sponsoring this episode. Everyday Speech provides a huge online library of social skills materials, including social skills videos, interactive web games, and hundreds of printable activity packets. Everyday Speech has materials for working on conversation skills, problem solving, self-regulation, and even more skills that our kiddos work with on a daily basis. With a huge library of materials and new materials being added every month, there's something for everyone. The best part is all their materials are no prep, so you've got hundreds of instant lessons ready to go. All you have to do is press play. With their advanced searching and filtering, all it takes is a couple of clicks to find the perfect material for your next session. You can get a no-obligation 30-day free trial so you can try it out and see if it's a fit. And listeners get 10% off their first year by visiting everydayspeech.com happy. That's everydayspeech.com slash happy for a 30-day free trial and 10% off your first year. Running your own practice has its share of challenges and there never seems like there's enough time to get everything done that needs to be done. Administrative tasks are necessary, but so time-consuming. Imagine streamlining that admin work that can take up so much of your time every day. With simple practice, you can automate client reminders to help your clients avoid missing appointments, set up auto pay and easily file insurance claims. Perfect for pediatrics and adults, simple practice lets you access all of your information in one place, saving you time. Simple practice is mobile friendly and works with any laptop or tablet. The mobile app makes seeing clients and documenting sessions seamless and easy and their secure client portal gives your clients the ability to complete intake forms, view invoices, and make payments completely paperless, saving them time. Haven't you been waiting for something like this long enough? Visit paperlessslp.com and get started today with a 30-day free trial and run your practice the simple way. Simple practice for SLPs, it's about time. back. And I'm super excited about this segment, how to have a calmer weekend. But to be honest, Sari, I don't totally know how to answer this question, and I'm still figuring this one out. Oh, me too. The purpose of this discussion is to be honest about our own struggles in having a calmer weekend. Hello, Sunday Night Blues. And to share what has and hasn't worked for us, and what we are trying next in hopes that it helps you too. 
So first up, how can we have calmer weekends? We did some research, we tried some things out ourselves, and through all that research and experimentation, um, we came out with five helpful tips for how to have a calmer weekend. So first, I have a little background to share. I lived and worked in Taiwan for a little over a year and a half teaching English, and my work schedule there was Monday through Saturday, so my weekends were just Sundays, and it was exhausting. I never fully unwound from my work week. When my husband and I um, afterwards moved back to the U.S. and both got Monday to Friday jobs, I swore that I would never take a two-day weekend for granted again. And yet, here I am trying to find ways to bring more calm to my two-day luxury weekend. Life got more complicated when we moved back. Things have changed and we're still struggling to enjoy the weekends that we have. So the question becomes, what are we doing wrong and what can we change to enjoy the weekend for what it is? Time off and a break from work to spend with family and have a little bit of leisure and relaxation in the week. Mm -hmm. I love that you shared this. Plus, Sarah, you worked full-time while you were going to grad school, which wasn't too long ago, a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, so you really have had very little free time on weekends for a long, long time. So, Sarah, what does a typical weekend look like for you? Or if there's no typical weekend, walk us through maybe your last weekend. So I try to have at least one down weekend each month, but this time of year it's really hard. Um, and last month, every weekend was booked with family birthday parties, friends visiting, and holiday festivities. I don't really get to establish a weekend routine a lot of the time because it changes every weekend. Um, So that being said, if there's not a family event or a visit going on, I use the weekends to catch up on house care, usually on Saturdays. They're generally when I do the laundry, the mopping, the dusting, cleaning the bathrooms, etc. And I try to get that done on that one day and then reserve Sunday for an outing or doing something relaxing. Um, Still, often, the best plans still get led astray, and I haven't had a good hike in a while, Um, so hopefully we get caught up on that now that the holiday season is over. Yeah, so a typical weekend for me in the mornings, I'll work on some podcast stuff, so I'll first work out, then read some emails, Um, podcasting stuff, it could be updating our website, writing a blog post, or coordinating with guests. And um, after that, in the afternoons, chores, garden projects, home projects. My husband and I are big DIYers. So a few weekends ago, for example, we laid bricks for a pathway and planted some garlic. Yes, in the middle of winter. And another project we're working on is finishing laying hardwood floors in the house and putting on baseboards. Our bedroom just got finished last week with the help of friends. Plus, in the spring, we have a huge vegetable garden, which is a lot of work. So also my husband is super active and he likes to get out and hike and snowshoe on weekends. So this time of year, we do a lot of snowshoeing up in the mountains. We just did that last weekend. So I also absolutely have weekends where I'm just beat. I'm tired. Um, and those will be more low key weekends. Maybe I'll tidy up in the, in the morning and then read or hang out with my husband in the afternoon. Um, and then we do dinners together every evening, but especially on weekends. So I really try to listen to my body and be sensitive to my mental state on some weekends. Um, But if my week's really hectic, I need to have that mental downtime to recover. For me, I have struggled with the Sunday night blues, which is feeling the sense of dread on Sunday nights. 
Um, but here's the thing. I really struggle with that more if I have a job that's go, 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 mm-hmm. and then weekends that are go, 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 and then there's never really any down or rest time. So through that, I've realized sometimes I do too much on the weekend or have too long of a to-do list. I don't finish it all, then I feel guilty, and then I might feel overwhelmed. So for me, this is less about routines and more about having a calmer weekend, doing less during the weekend, or scheduling just more time to just chill out. Um, That said, when I have a job that isn't super stressful, I don't struggle as much with those Sunday night blues. Right. So we're all about first doing what matters to you on the weekend. Focusing on what's important to you and what you value. A lot of times that may mean doing less, but for some of you that may mean doing more. We talk a lot on the podcast about adding a wide margin to your life. So that's what we mean there. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to tip number one, which is don't overschedule yourself, but do make sure to do things you value and things that really matter to you on the weekends. Like Sarah, you talking about wanting to hike more. Mm-hmm. So things I value are getting outdoors, writing. So whether it's journaling, writing a blog post or writing a letter, uh, tidying the house, Um, So those are some examples for me, but for you, think about what you value and adding those to your weekend. Maybe it's a slow start to your morning. I know that's really important to me. Maybe it's coffee with a friend. Time to read, time to get outside, time to clean your house. So what are your weekend must-haves and how do you avoid getting overscheduled and add in what you value? So here's the thing for me. Sometimes getting overscheduled is unavoidable. Um, because I come from a big family and we're all very close. So when someone has a birthday or a major life event, we all get together to celebrate. And sometimes we just get together because it's been a while and we like to get together. So these events can take an entire weekend day all by themselves. And my husband and I need the next day just to recover or get things done around the house. That being said, for a normal weekend without special events, I would say that yes, I have been successful with not overscheduling. Um, Dan and I usually try to plan only one big weekend extravaganza if we are going to do something with one day to just be at home. When it comes to chores, we've managed to make the routine doable through the week while still maintaining an element of relaxation on the weekend. Yeah, so it's finding that mix of alone time and group time that works for you. Mm-hmm. And so next up, tip number two, do your chores in the morning for a few hours and then purposefully do fun stuff the rest of the day if you can. So the idea here is to pick a couple, just a few to-dos, do them early in the morning and then relax and do weekend stuff for the rest of the day. I tried it and it's worked for me, but I'm a real morning person, so it definitely wouldn't work for everyone. Um, Sari, did this one work for you or what are your non-negotiable to-dos for the weekend? Okay, so this one I absolutely agree works. Getting the big to-dos done with in the morning frees up the rest of your day. And not just that, it frees up your mind. I don't know about you, but I always feel preoccupied and worried about the things I still need to get done. So when I've checked them off the list, it's a huge relief. Mm -hmm. Me too, completely. So tip three is give yourself some mental rest. Mm -hmm. Since we have to be so on for our jobs, do something that will give your mind some rest. Go for a walk in the fresh air, meditate, read fiction or something that's just for fun, or practice yoga. 
you really do have to purposefully shut your brain off or at least slow it down sometimes or you can feel depleted by the time Monday rolls around. I'm not great at powering down my brain or my thinking during the weekend, but I'm trying with meditation and doing some slow yoga and it has helped. But I'd like to be more consistent because this tip is really helpful for me when I contend to overthink. So I recently started coloring in one of those adult coloring books. Those are fun. Yeah. They are fun. <laughs> and um, I've actually found that it helped me to do this exact thing. And I plan to start crocheting a blanket for Dan this winter too. And typically those types of activities are just the ticket to get my mind off of work. Yeah, that's a great example of mental rest where you're doing something active with your hands to mm -hmm. keep your hands busy, the coloring or the crochet. Um, I don't know how to crochet, but if you ever need to learn to knit, let me know. <laughs> I've just picked up crocheting by learning on YouTube. Oh, YouTube's great for that. So <laughs> tip four is one I think we can all get on board with, which is sleep. Mm. For you, this may mean sleeping in or taking a nap. And if you can't sleep, just resting and powering down. It's amazing how much just a rest in bed in a dark room can help. Sleep is probably the biggest thing you should have on your to-do list for the weekend. Uh, when I don't get enough sleep, I get sick. End of story. Now, I'm not typically a napper, but I can nap when I need to. I have a good friend who used to use her lunch break to take a 30-minute cat nap each day under her desk, and it honestly made a lot of sense to me that she did that, although at first I was kind of it was kind of an unexpected behavior mm -hmm. um but if you don't follow any of our other tips for this weekend I would say follow tip number four and be sure that you get enough sleep there's no way that I could do that I would be afraid that I'd be like awoken with a start but some workplaces have napping rooms that are dedicated for napping have you heard of those I have I and I wish that my work had one it sounds amazing I would totally use a napping room for a long time, I couldn't take naps, but um, I do love to just rest on weekends. So, of course, not everyone can sleep whenever they want to. So I wanted to add in that if you can't sleep, just rest when you can. And now for our fifth and final tip, have a Sunday night routine. We've talked last episode on why routines are so important. It's a way to reset your brain and slowly transition into what is next. We know kids need transitions, but we forget that as adults, we need transitions too. Mm -hmm. I did try this one and I think it helped, but consistency is something I struggle with. So I like to go out to dinner with my husband um, So on Sunday night, so I don't overthink my Mondays. Um, but I'm an expert in talking myself out of doing this, so I am really struggling with consistently doing this, even though I know that it helps me. And my struggle with this is resisting the temptation to use Sunday night as a pre-Monday work night. By the time Sunday night rolls around, I'm already planning for the things to come on Monday or the work week, and I feel the need to use Sunday to get things organized. So what I'm working towards on Sunday is, again, sticking to a specific bedtime and only allowing myself to briefly check my calendar for upcoming week events so I know what to expect and can mentally wrap my head around it. Um, I feel kind of guilty admitting that that's part of my Sunday night and that part of it honestly is still to make sure I have everything set out at least to grab when I go out the door for Monday, but um, that helps me and lets me sleep soundly. Mm -hmm. And that's a tricky one because sometimes that Sunday night prep is really helpful. Right. And sometimes it just doesn't feel good and Ex it's not good. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm still working on 
working out the kinks on that one. But I know if I can follow these tips that they will help. So just to repeat, our tips were one, don't get overscheduled. Do add in what you value. Two, do your chores in the morning for a few hours and then leave the rest of your weekend days for other things. Three, give yourself some mental rest. Four, sleep more. And five, have a Sunday night routine. So those are our five tips for having a calmer weekend, and we want to hear from you. What helps you stay calm on the weekends? Did you try the tips? How did they work for you? And would you add others? Contact us and let us know. Next up, we have some SLP advice I got during my CF that helped me get rid of some ego and high expectations as a CF. But first up, an ad break. As SLPs, we know that reading research articles is time-consuming. One thing that's helped me is my membership to the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP is an advertiser on this podcast, but I pay for my own membership because it's so helpful. Let the Informed SLP help you by doing the research for you. They search all the top SLP journals every month looking for articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice, and they provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EBP. You can join by going to theinformedslp.com and you'll get 50% off your first three months with the code SLPHAPPYHOUR. And we're back with some SLP wisdom, a segment where we share advice that has changed our work or home worlds for the better. This episode's advice, you can't be the perfect SLP for all your clients. Ouch, this is a hard lesson to learn. Some clients just aren't compatible with you as a therapist. This can be especially hard as a school SLP when you're trying so hard to be the best fit for all of the students on your caseload. And it's something that I absolutely didn't learn in grad school. And so transitioning from grad school to being a school SLP, which is what I was full-time when I first got started, I really had to be a generalist and I had to be the SLP for everyone. So especially as I've transitioned to private practice, I've realized I'm not the SLP for everyone and I, I can't expect myself to be. This can be difficult to accept. And a lot of your perspective on this statement may depend on the setting that you work in. So for me, as a school SLP, I can admit that while I am a good fit for the majority of my students, there are others who I have to work harder to build that working relationship with in order to help them. And truth be told, there are probably other speech therapists out there who would be a better match to maximize their progress. But I try my best. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. Yeah, in the schools, you kind of are a generalist, yeah. but uh, pick a few areas to focus your continuing education on and rely on your SLP community for help with those students and cut yourself a break. I feel like people talk about this idea of not being the best fit for everyone a lot in the business world, mm -hmm. but really not much at all in the SLP world. I agree. So in the business world, they talk a lot about attracting clients that are in your target market and repelling clients that aren't. So I'll give an example. Uh, with the podcast, we use things like the hashtag lazy lesson. And that's going to turn off some people 
right away. They might even think we are lazy, which we absolutely aren't, um, or make judgments, but those aren't our people. So our people have a sense of kind of humor and fun and know that uh, we want to make their work lives easier. Mm -hmm. So we also share our struggles on social media and on this podcast, and, and sometimes we do get personal and we can get criticized for it, but again, those people aren't in our target market. Those aren't our people. And if people don't really get us, I don't want them to waste their time and listen in because there are so many awesome podcasts out there. I think there's one for everyone. So what I try to do with our hashtags and the branding around SLP Happy Hour is attract people who are going to get what we're trying to do and who will benefit from the topics we talk about. Um, but that doesn't always work. So even though I'd say we work hard on the podcast, I'm proud of what we've made. We're not for everyone, just like my SLP work isn't for everyone. Um, and if you don't believe me, you can check out a few of our iTunes reviews, <laughs> which aren't positive, but it's all good. Overwhelmingly, it's positive. Overwhelmingly positive. But you do have to develop a thick skin whenever you put yourself out there at work or online. And we are working on that. Speaking of... Uh, people who get us. We love getting questions from listeners. If you want to submit one, you have a contact form online. And next up, we are going to answer one of your questions. That's right. And this came from a listener. Here's the question. I've noticed that in this profession, people tend to really identify with their work. I hear things like, I love my job, or my work is my passion, or I would do this work for free or it's my calling and sentiments like that. Is it healthy to do this um, in that it gives you a sense of identity and accomplishment or is it not healthy in that it makes us attach too much with our identity as being our work? Wow, this is a really great question and I don't think that it has a black and white answer to be honest. I think that it's great to find fulfillment and happiness in your work and in doing a job well. I think many of us would say that being an SLP is part of who we are. I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, an SLP, a Lord of the Rings fan, etc. <laughs> and those are just a few of the many things that make up me. But where I think it starts to get dangerous is when individuals define themselves too much by mm -hmm. their career. A job is a job. And it will come to an end eventually one way or another. If you don't know who you are or don't know how to find happiness without it, you'll be in for a hard transition to find yourself. Yeah, so, and I've lived with both experiences. And from my personal experience, no, it's absolutely not healthy to identify with your job, um, especially too much. So people in helping professions, I've noticed, often do identify with their jobs. So, but when our identity is tied up to our work, it can become dangerous because our worth can get tied into our work. Mm. Our worth can be connected to the work we do or how our days go, if it's a good day or not. So being an SLP is something we do during the day because we want to be helpful, yes. But I'd argue that if you want to be helpful, you can go volunteer because ultimately being an SLP is a job. I, I really enjoy my work, but ultimately I do it to support my family. So we can have a house and a car and food to eat. So if my purpose or identity is really melded and tied up with my work, that could mess up with my self-perception. Because you are a nuanced human being and there are tons of things that make you, you. For me, my work doesn't have to be a part of the equation or it doesn't have to be all of the equation. So in fact, 
It's best if we can decouple those thoughts to make our own worth and purpose independent from our work and how our work is going that day. Because our work changes, our jobs change, and we change. Absolutely. This was a really great question, and I'm really glad that a listener asked it. I think that it gives me and probably a lot of our listeners a lot to think about this month. I have always been a person hardwired to prioritize schoolwork. I am a student. And then now my career. I am an SLP. And I do feel fulfilled and successful when I do well at these things. But it is something to be wary of when you get too tied up in it. Mm -hmm. Family comes first for me. They define me. They will last with me forever. And while I love being an SLP, I won't be one forever. None of us will. Mm-hmm. And this is slightly off topic, but if, if you give too much to your work day, mm-hmm. you won't have anything left for your family. That's so, so true. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. So for you to know family is first, it's to think of that, um, you know, saving some of your energy from your family and valuing that. So to sum it up, being an SLP is a part of who we are and what we do. But by expanding our understanding of ourselves as humans and wives and mothers and artists and business owners and creatives and even more, we can widen our perspective. This will help not only build our self-understanding and self-confidence, but we'll avoid too much burnout in the future. Being an SLP is one thing you do, but it's not the only thing you do. In fact, if you want to tell us what you do, get in touch. We have a contact form on our website, and you can let us know what you are putting your energy into. Are you a writer, a painter, a soon-to-be parent, a business owner? How do you develop your perception of yourself that includes a wider view? We'd love to hear your answer and might just feature it on upcoming shows. So there you have it. That's what we've got for this episode of SLP Happy Hour. Remember our five tips for a calmer weekend and let us know if you tried them out. And consider if you are identifying with your work and if your work is tied into your self-worth. After that, figure out if it's healthy for you and if you need to decouple your work and worth so that they are independent from each other. We hope you found this episode helpful, informative, and learned something along the way. By sharing our experiences with each other, we can all become stronger members of the SLP community and more forgiving of ourselves. If you learned something new from this episode, please share it with a friend. Make sure you are subscribed and please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we love it when you take a selfie of you listening in and maybe even something that you learned and post it on social media. Make sure to tag us because we'd love to see it. And if you do only one thing, rate or review us. We'll have a direct link in the show notes. It makes a huge difference for us, and it's the number one way you can help us out. You can find out more about us at our website, slphappyhour.com, or on social media as SLP Happy Hour. We hope this episode was a little slice of an SLP Happy Hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Until next time, this has been SLP Happy Hour. But first up, an ad break. 
As a quick reminder, our ads go to pay for mounting our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> that is inappropriate. That is out of order. <laughs> oh, dear. This one's got plenty of bloopers. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Sorry, it's got no sense. Sense. That's That's a humor. Humor. <laughs>